If you guys will open up your Bibles to John chapter 15, we are going to start there. Um, abide. I'm going to come down on the floor. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 4. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So the vine is God. We are the branch. It's our job to produce fruit, to to stay connected to the vine, and to be fruitful. But to do that, we have to remain in him. But there's a promise that if we remain in him, he's going to what? Remain in us. Yes. So we want to stay connected. And a lot of times, if you're like me, I sometimes, anybody here ever feel sorry for yourself? Or am I the only one that ever has a pity party? Come on. Who here, you're really good at it? Like, you got some record-breaking pity parties. The problem with feeling sorry for ourselves is a lot of times what we do is we pull away and we withdraw, but we hope that everything changes. I can do that sometimes in my marriage, where Tamar does something really rude, and it's just flat out rude, okay? But then I feel sorry for myself, and I withdraw, but somehow in my mind, thinking that now everything's going to be better. Does it get better? No. No, I I was letting the crowd speak for you, dear. Um, No, it doesn't get better. For there to be connection, we have to remain. We have to stay connected. And many times it's the same way in our relationship with God where something's not going right and what we do is we actually disconnect and we pull away. We maybe say a couple prayers and think we're doing good because of that, but we've actually disconnected. And what we really need to do is get back into a place of abiding with him and staying connected with him in that way. All right, two questions to consider that we have. Do we have those, Matt? There it is. Okay, question considered. Is God a special treat to be consumed? Huh? Interesting. Or is he your source? Does his presence still fill you with wonder? And does it invoke daily growth? Or are you used to it? Okay, what do I mean by this? Uh, Who here has ever eaten an In-N-Out hamburger? Come on. Somehow you guys don't throw fits, but you all eat hamburgers. Um, There was a time when they've slowly been making their way north, and there are rumors that they're headed either to Salmon Creek or to Ridgefield. I've heard both um, here sometime soon. Uh, But there was a time when the farthest north one was in Medford. The one in Salem wasn't there yet. And the youth would actually do where they would leave Um, after school, get in the the old church 12-passenger van, leave after school, drive to Medford, which is around five-ish hours, to get there right before it closes to eat their In-N-Out burger, to then turn around and drive back in time to go to school the next day. Why would they do that? Well, one, they're youth, and if you remember being a youth, 
You did things because it seemed fun and exciting. You didn't actually think through how you were going to feel the next day. It was just, does this seem interesting? Does this seem fun? There was also a reason. So there, there was the adventure side of it. It's fun to get in a van and drive through the middle of the night, regardless of where you're going. But there was also something else that people wanted the in and out burger. I remember parents even saying, hey, will you bring me back one? Not thinking about how soggy, but actually they thought about it, but they didn't care because they wanted to taste it because it was something special. It was something unique that they couldn't always get. And so they were willing to go above and beyond to get it. Now, when in and out comes, there's probably gonna be a lot of people in line the first long time that it's opened. But at some point, it can become normal. And when it becomes normal, all of a sudden, it's not quite so special. The youth aren't gonna decide to just go sit in a van for five hours and then drive 10 minutes to go get their burger and then sit in a van for five hours awake to then go to school. There's not a reason to do that because it's right here. So many times we can see God as a special treat to be consumed. He's something that we go to for a moment. He's something we go to to get a rush. He's something we go to to, 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 to feel something. But what he's asking us to do is to abide in him. And to abide, it means he's not just a special treat to be consumed. It means he's our source. Which means like, it means we're plugged into him. It means that we're, we stay connected with him because he's our source versus something that we just go to periodically. Now, some of us could be, we feel, let's keep doing some hand raising. It's fun. It's a smaller group. So I love this. Makes me feel like I'm teaching junior high again. Um, who here, you would say, you feel like you're at least an adolescent, if not mature in your faith. Anybody here feel maturish in your faith? It's not a trick question. I mean, it will be in a way, but still. Here's the problem, though, is sometimes what we can do is we can say, oh, no, I'm really good at abiding. I am. I, I have my devotions. I pray every day. I actually journal. But you know what? We've lost the wonder. There's something about when you first eat that in and out burger, there's that taste. And I'm sorry if you don't like it. God's, I don't know what he did to your taste buds. But... You, you eat it and there's a wonder. There's, there's something that comes alive. When we get used to something, it loses its wonder. And so, does his presence still fill us with wonder? Is it still amazing or have we gotten used to it? If it's still full of wonder, then when we read the word, we shouldn't just read something and say, yeah, I've read that before and write down some thoughts. The test of whether or not it's filled with wonder is does it still convict you? Do we each still feel like there's something we can learn? You could have the whole book memorized, but do you feel like there's something you can learn out of it? So John 15, four, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I think we would all say, yes, good idea. Anybody here think it's a bad idea? Never mind, don't raise your hand on that. 
So we all think it's a good idea to stay connected. But if so, let's look at, let's look at what happens though when we aren't connected to God, when we aren't always staying, remaining in him and we're, we're not in that place. What happens? Because I think most of us would look and say, no, I think I do remain in him. I am abiding in him. Usually what it means is we only read our Bible when it's convenient. We won't raise our hands to these. I'll just let your, your own self think about it. But so we only read our Bible when it's convenient. When, so for me, I get tired when I'm reading. So reading when it's convenient means I have to be in the right mood. And I have to have the right amount of energy. And I have to, like, everything has to be lined up. It can also be that we only pray when we need something from him. So the only time we actually spend time to talk to God is when we're desperate. We don't talk to him on a regular basis. We spend more time thinking about our retirement or thinking about our own security or our own plans instead of thinking about him and how to draw closer to him and how to live for his kingdom. And so I think for a lot of us, we can grow in our abiding. We can grow to where to really see him as our source and not just as a special treat to be consumed every now and then. Anybody here ever have um, pretzel, pretzel jello at Thanksgiving? Oh, it's amazing. There's some like um, Cool Whip on there. There's pretzels that offer a crunch and a salty. And, um, and then the jello kind of brings in, I guess, a little bit of a sweet. Oh, you should try it, people. It's a special treat. Um, trying to think of something else that's gross that I could ask you if you like it. But for us to get to a place where we see God as something we want to abide in and not just as a special treat. So to remain in him, some good ways to do that. One, he tells us in the greatest commandment to love him with all that we are. Our mind, that's our thinking. Our soul, our heart, our strength. Every piece of us, we love him with that. Another way we remain in him is we love others. We treat others with respect. We treat others with kindness. Which we should catch ourselves because where that gets tested the most is when we encounter people that we, don't disagree, that, we, that we do disagree with. And how do we treat them when we think the decisions they're making? And a lot of times that comes up when you have snow like this. Because all of a sudden the schools start doing something, the city starts doing something, you know, the church does or doesn't do, you know, its service or whatever. And all of a sudden, we are, our judgments start coming up because we don't quite agree with what's happening. But do we love others? A way to remain in him is to meditate on his word where we don't just read it. We actually allow it to come change us. We talk with him. You might know that as prayer. But it's a conversation that he wants to talk to you about what's going on. And when was the last time you got in your car and you drove and you yelled at God? In, in an honest way, I actually think you should try it. Next time you're frustrated, 
Next time you think you're up against a wall, get in your car. Now make sure you don't crash. You're not road raging God, okay? You're just driving in the car, but you're having an honest conversation saying, I don't understand this. Why is this happening? You do it every day, good. But when was the last time you did that? That's the kind of conversation he wants to have with you. When was the last time you were scared and you actually cried out to him in tears saying, Lord, I need you to come surround me. When was the last time you were full of joy? And one of the first things is you, he was the one you wanted to text about your promotion. He was the one that that you wanted to text about this opportunity or a new blessing coming to your life. And you're communicating with him on that daily basis. He also, to abide in him, he wants us to trust him. You know, the opposite of trust is, get ready for this, not trusting, okay? (laughs) Genius. But you know, sometimes what we do, I wish I, I should have had like a rope here and I could have swung around with it. But some, if we don't trust something, we hold on tightly. We hold on tightly. Abiding is rest. Abiding is peace. Abiding, there's hope. It's relaxed. It's just free. I'm having this month to challenge myself because I'm an extremist. I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm pretty much usually hot or cold. I'm in a bad mood or I'm in a good mood. Um, I'm either not interested or I'm extremely interested. I'm either awake or I'm asleep. I'm an extremist. And so when when I think of doing, um, trying to be healthy and working out, doing something just for a couple minutes doesn't work for me. I need to work out for 30 to 60 minutes. Well, the problem with that is a lot of times I don't have 30 to 60 minutes. Around 300 and probably 62 days a year, I don't. So then I just don't work out because for those times because I don't have the time. I'm kind of, when I read the Bible, I think, well, I should be reading at least for 15 to 30 minutes and then I should journal for 15 minutes. Everything I do is a lot more like if I'm gonna do it, it needs to be this bigger thing. I feel like the challenge God is telling me is, can I just, instead of working out in the morning, can I just stretch? I'm sorry, but that sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't know if you like stretching. I think it is the most absurd, boring. It doesn't feel like it's accomplishing jack squat. But I feel like he's telling me, will I just do that? Will I just read and just meditate on the words? I love going on prayer walks, but I feel like he's telling me to shorten them to like 15 minutes and to not talk, which sounds also terrible. And so now, so yesterday I went on one and I just walked silently just to abide with him. But I feel like what he's trying to teach me is to trust him. And he's trying to teach me to relax with him and to be at peace with him instead of trying to force things to happen. Two of the ways he challenges our trust is Sabbath, is one, doing a, having Sabbath rest, because it doesn't make logical sense that if you want to move things forward to take a break. 
makes no sense whatsoever. That the best way, who here feels like you have a to-do list that's bigger than the amount of time you have for it? So here's what God says. Take a day off and just rest. It doesn't make sense. No, I got to get this list done so that then my mind will be at peace. I got to hurry up. How about I just crunch it for the next two weeks? Then I will learn to rest. He says, no, I want you to learn to rest. And these things will come out of it because you'll work in a sense, smarter, not harder. He also challenges us to tithe. Who here thinks that the best, who here wishes you had a little more money? Or maybe you feel like you would like just more blessing, whether it comes financially, relationally, whatever in your life. One of the ways God says to do that is to give away your money. Does that make sense? It makes no sense in the world. But what he's doing is he challenges us to trust him. Because it's not trust if it's not, in a sense, risky. That's not trust. If it made sense, is it trust? If you've ever done a trust fall, which we should just practice one here, and you just go back, the whole idea is you can't see. The whole idea is it's your middle school friends that don't look like they've ever caught anything in their life saying they're about to catch you. The whole idea is you've seen them crack practical jokes on other people thinking in your mind they're just going to let go just because it's funny. Not because they wanted to hurt me, but just because it's funny. It takes trust to believe that when you fall back, they're actually going to catch you. I don't know if you've ever rock climbed. I mean, it's time to repel. There's always that nervous thing. Man, once you're hanging by the rope, you're fine because now you trust it. The problem is when you go to go off the edge and it's that first point where you're no longer bracing yourself with your legs and now you're going back and you're putting the pressure on the rope. That's always the hardest part, that beginning. I remember when I skydived, flying through the air is fine. It's the part of getting out of the plane. And I tried to do it and look like just tough and brave, but they took pictures and I don't. I don't at all. I look like I don't trust and I'm holding on for dear life. My body was in a weird position. And my face did not lie about what was going on inside. But trust is peace. But to trust means that we're going through something that feels untrustworthy. So if we want to find peace in God, we have to trust him. But to trust, it means we actually got to lean back and let the rope tighten. It means we actually have to believe that I can fall back and he's going to catch me. And so he challenges us that you have an amazingly long to-do list. Your room's a mess. Your garage is disorganized. You haven't changed your oil in a long time. Your laundry is backed up. I don't know what else. Those are the things that come to my mind that are on my current (laughs) list. But here's what I want you to do. Is I want you just to rest in my presence. 
Now, that doesn't mean laziness where you just take, you know, I'm going to just do a Sabbath month and I'm just not going to do anything. No, but we learn to rest in God and we learn to trust him in his ways. All right, will you turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. One of the things we're gonna be looking this month as we go through abide is slowing our soul, slowing down. So Matthew 16, 24 through 26, verse 24 says, then Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, who here wants to be his follower? Come on. So he's saying this to us too. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So here it's saying, if you really want to save you save your life again this this doesn't make sense but you're supposed to let go of your own life and you surrender it to him and you trust in him you know one of the things is when we focus on other things other than the kingdom of god our soul is what suffers so when we start worrying about financial security or we start worrying about our future or we start worrying about certain things it's our soul that suffers and so one of the things in slowing that down is just to trust in God we heard it last week Psalms 8410 you don't need to turn there there's the song better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere Anybody here have the Passion CD from, I think it was, was it 99 or 2000? I think it was like light blue, right? Um, better is one day. I mean, it was, it was all the rage. If there are rages in Christianity music in that time period. Um, I think it was actually Christian ska that was all the rage during that time period. But better than one day was, I mean, it was right there pushing up against it. What's interesting, though, to to read that scripture saying that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Man, I I have sung that song so many times. I remember before we built this building, we just had the chapel and we used to meet over at Jason Lee Middle School still as a church plant. And we were there, but we had gotten the property and we would do youth group in, um, in the chapel. And I mean, it used to be, the room would be full. We'd be singing these songs with an AV system that sounded horrible. And everybody would be jumping up and down because that's what you did. But it, wasn't, it was just literally jumping up and down. But the whole room is jumping up and down and the floor is moving up and down. And we'd be singing like this song. I remember being at camps and just like crying out like, God, better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. But it's interesting because 
I actually don't dream a whole bunch about his presence. To be honest, I don't, I've never actually written out a future plan of all of that, but I do about a whole bunch of other things. Anybody here have a dream house that you've designed? Maybe drawn up? Maybe you did a vision board and you went through some magazines and you found one and you cut it out and you, you have it saved in a drawer or pasted on in a journal. Maybe you have a, a car that you would love to get and you, you have a picture of it and you have that saved somewhere. Maybe a vacation you've always wanted to go on and you, you have it kind of like a dream. We have these things and there's nothing wrong with those things because God wants us to be happy. But do we dream of being in his presence or do we just sing the song? Do we dream of, Lord, I truly just want to be with you? And I think that's what he's calling us to do in abiding, is that we would begin to trust him and not just holding on for dear life, but actually plugging in and being there and seeing him as our source and not just as a special treat. And that we would trust him, we would rely on him and allow him to come alive in us. So um, if the praise team will come up and if you're at home, we're gonna be uh, taking the elements for communion. And so I don't know what you got at home. Maybe you have some Wonder Bread and some milk or um, water and a pickle. I don't know. You can get something. Uh, maybe you don't have anything and that's okay because the idea is you're doing something in remembrance of what God did, which really that means the emphasis isn't on what kind of cracker and what kind of grape juice. The emphasis is on what's going on in our mind. Are we remembering? I would call up the ushers, but I've always wanted to do this, so I'm just gonna do it myself. And since only two need to be placed, I'll do it here. I know it's a it's a different day, and in some ways, maybe there's some distractions or a little chaotic. But um, if you get anything out of today, so we realize that God really does want to remain in us. He wants to be there for us. He wants to meet you wherever you are. Whatever's going on in your life, he wants to be there. But he asks us to do one thing. He asks us to remain in him. That, that's our part, is to remain in him. So we want him to come and intervene. And he wants to remain in us. But to do that, we have to remain in him. We can't unplug ourselves and then wonder why there's no electricity. It's because we're unplugged. So, and I think in telling some of those stories is to think through and reading some of those 
verses is where's our focus on? Because remaining in him and plugging in isn't just about when we need something. It's also not just about a 30 minute time in the morning during devotions. It's not just about Sunday mornings, but it's a lifestyle to truly remain in him and to trust in him. So we're gonna sing a song. And as we do, um, we're not gonna dismiss you row by row. You can just come up as you, during the song, and grab the elements, the cracker, which represents his broken body, that his body was broken for us so that our body would be made whole. The juice that represents his shed blood, that his blood was shed so that you and I would have new life. And go back to your seat. If you want to sit, pray, whatever you want to do. Go back to your couch, your table, your car, wherever. And to just think through how could you make a proactive step forward to abide a little more with Jesus this week? What would that look like? Is it more time? Is it less fear? Is it actually resting? What would it look like? More conversations. What would it look like for you to abide with him, to allow him to be your source? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come and reveal to each one of us what it is you want to show us, what it is you're changing in us for us to really learn to abide in you, to remain in you. The word remain, that we wouldn't just come to you periodically. We wouldn't just come when it's convenient. We wouldn't just come when we're desperate, but we would remain. We wouldn't just show up, we would remain. We wouldn't just dabble, we would remain. God, that we wouldn't just visit, but we would remain. We wouldn't observe, we would remain. God, teach us individually and even as a church family just how to remain in you. From that place, we would learn who you say we are, our identity. We would begin to walk out our purpose, what you've called us to. That yeah, we would still have dreams and plans for our life, but we would understand that we're never truly gonna be satisfied until we get home with you. Nothing will ever quench the thirst. Nothing will ever taste perfect until we get home with you. When we get up there, wherever it is, we're not gonna wish we would have done one more vacation. We're not gonna wish we would have bought one more rental. We're not gonna wish we would have upgraded that car. We're not gonna wish that we would have worried more about something. We're gonna wish we would have spent more time with you when we here on earth. We're gonna wish we would have spent more time building your kingdom. Teach us to remain, in Jesus' name.